Requesting connection. Established. Encrypted. We're live. The show you've been asking for. Advice, technology, and community. Linux first, all others second. This is Ask Noah. Live from Speed Technologies, the Ask Noah show starts right now. This is the show where we came to do all the things on Linux they said couldn't be done and take your questions on how to do the same. The phone lines are open this hour to be a part of the program. It's a free call, 1-855-450-NOAH. or send an email to live at AskNoahShow.com. My name is Noah Chalai. I am your host. Delighted to be here with you this hour. It's another episode of the Ask Noah Show kicks off this hour. James starts us off from Idaho. Hey, James, welcome to the Ask Noah Show. Got to shut off the stream there and listen to us, uh, or let's have a conversation on the phone. It's a little bit easier that way. Uh, Fixing that. Okay, now, um, do you know the public folder in Linux? Okay, yep, mm-hmm. Inside of, like, Ubuntu, they, okay. it's inside of your home folder. There's one that's designated like, for public sharing. Yeah. Um, I would like to have a way, and so I don't know if this is the best ever to do this under, where I can allow guests read and write inside the folder only, and no execute, and outside the folder, all hands are off, you know, limits are off, but I don't know if I should set that up in using Samba or how to do it, or is there another approach to drop, make it like a Dropbox where you just drop junk in there, nothing will be in there that matters to anybody, you know what I mean? Sure, sure. So there's a couple different ways you can go about that, James. So the first, I guess what I would ask is, what is the goal that you're trying to accomplish? Um, well... Um, I'm used to a little bit. Let me put this in Windows format. Windows, you just make a, a shared folder and you say, okay, this work group can you just share this files between the two machines. And I'm assuming that, and I'm not going to be probably talking to all the time through uh, to Linux boxes, but I like to have a place where I can, when someone comes over and says, I need to move the files and I want to use, a, don't have a thumb drive available, and sneaker net it on over. <laughs> And just say, okay, just just drop those files in that you know, public folder, and uh, I'll get them later or whatever. I got you. In the public folder so, es- so essentially, you're looking for a way t- for people to be able to to give you data. Yeah, and uh, like it to go into the public folder and be everything else off limits. Gotcha. So the first thing I would say is please, 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 please do not do that over the internet. Uh, Samba is really not designed except for maybe with in conjunction with like a VPN. Please do not uh, open that up to the internet. If you want to open that up to the internet, the way you would go about doing that is you would go about doing that with something like a Nextcloud instance. And if you had something like a Nextcloud instance, then you Nextcloud actually supports the ability to to let people you could have like a public login and let people drop files on that server and of course they would not have any ability to execute because they don't even they're not really touching files on the on the file system itself they are going through the broker that is nextcloud so that would be probably my first suggestion now if you're just talking about on a lan then i could see some use for samba and and you can you can actually crack that nut a couple different ways the first thing you could do is you could do actual samba samba you could also use something like NFS because remember the Linux file permission system or the Linux file system allows for granular permissions. And so you can do all sorts of things, you know, sticky permissions and you can start even getting into context aware security if you start utilizing SE Linux. All of those things, I think, would get you to where you want to be. 
Um, but if it's just me and uh, and I'm looking for a public exchange of files, probably what I'm doing, quite honestly, if there's absolutely no reason to have any security, honestly, I'm setting up an FTP server and I'm putting that thing. It's the only thing on that box. And uh, it's it's an FTP server with uh, with some blow away credentials that I don't care about. And I'm just letting people log in and, and throw some files on there. Now, there's a risk of abuse, I suppose. But the reality is that there are a number of different industries that are doing exactly that. Now, G-Dog in the chat room, by the way, you can join us at irc.geekshed.net, pound, ask Noah show. That's how you can add your voice to the conversation through the chat room. G-Dog in the chat room points us to GitHub Kickball. And essentially what it is, and I've seen this before, you it's a, essentially a server package that you install, and it allows, it, it allows you to set up a server specifically for uh, letting other people drop files to you. So we'll have a link for you in the show notes. If you're not checking out the extra credit section in the show notes, you're only getting half the show. So make sure to go to podcast.asknowashow.com to check those out. Now, we have an absolute packed show. It's all about the community tonight. We invite you to join your, add your voice to the conversation at 1-855-450-NO. That's 855-450-6624. Of course, you can email us live at asknowashow.com. OTA7 for Ubuntu Touch is out. Dalton Durst is with us. He's the Ubuntu Touch development manager and a guest this hour on the Ask Noah Show. Hey, Dalton, welcome back. Hello, Noah. It's great to be back. Yeah, happy to have you back. So I understand OTA7 is out, so we figured we'd get you on the program and tell us what's due with OTA7. Ubuntu Touch OTA7 has been released. This release includes a lot of new under-the-hood changes. Uh, we upgraded LibHybris, which is a very boring component that makes it possible for us to run on Android phones. And we've also got some a uh, lot of stability fixes for everything underlying the system. We also have, for our user-facing features, the ability to theme your keyboard. So now, if you don't like your keyboard shining you in the face at night, you can have it in a darker color. We've also done a lot of work on our internal development cycle, and this is the first release that we've had where we've got it out in one month's time after our last one. So Ubuntu Touch OTA 6 came out on the 7th of December. This one's coming out on the 7th of January. Uh, we're very proud to have all of our contributors working together to make this possible, and thank you to everyone who's out there working on Ubuntu Touch and its apps. That's fantastic. That sounds absolutely awesome. And I'm happy to see that there's continued, continual rather, forward momentum on this project. If you're not familiar with what Ubuntu Touch is, it's an alternative to Android and iOS and an open source Linux-based operating system that you can put on your phone. Dalton, I did want to ask, do you have any insight or any thoughts regarding uh, Google's recent decision to begin to move away from the Linux kernel and their decision to move both Chrome OS and Android away from Linux, or at least that's what it looks like they may be doing. And do you have a plan in case that happens to continue support on hardware devices that have traditionally relied on Android drivers? So that is something that we are watching very carefully with Fuchsia coming out. Uh, if Fuchsia turns out to completely change the underlying hardware compatibility, then we do certainly have a problem. However, the devices that we have today are still great devices, and the devices that we'll be porting to in the coming years will also be great for years to come. We also have new leads coming up both between Purism and Pine64's projects to make hardware that runs Linux natively. I'm thrilled to hear that. I really am. I think that's really important. And I think that's why it takes passionate, dedicated people that are already part of the community to 
to take on these kinds of projects because from a commercial perspective, a lot of people look at the stuff and say, well, we've moved on. We, we have Android, we have iOS, good enough, no reason to move forward. And, and you and your team have continued to push that ball forward. So I'm really thankful that there are people like you and that there are projects like this because it provides more competition uh, for everybody in the mobile market sphere. Anything else we need to know about uh, the OTA 7 update or anything new with Ubuntu Touch that you want to tell people? Uh, on the latest Ubuntu Touch Q&A, which is our bi-weekly, most of the time, show where we discuss the development of Ubuntu Touch and answer some questions from our community, we talked about all of our contributors, or our core contributors' passions for Ubuntu Touch and why we're working on it and why you can count on us to not go away anytime soon. Dalton Durst, he is the development manager for Ubuntu Touch and a guest this hour on the Ask Noah Show. Dalton, thanks so much for joining us and giving us a, a brief update on OTA7. We'll get you back on the program real soon. No problem. Thanks for having me. Nailer in the chat room writes and says, uh, how do you know if a specific phone is going to work? Well, you can go to Ubuntu-Touch. I think it's Ubuntu-Touch.com and uh, slash, uh, let's see here, devices. This is so unprofessional. I should have all this down. I'll find it for you, but they're, on their website, it's their, their, their websites, so it is ubports.com slash devices. And uh, they, they specify which devices they suggest that you try out. And uh, we actually, if you are part of the Ask Noah Show community, then you were invited to our 100th episode celebration. And there, Dalton Durst joined us and gave us a demo. So they brought a bunch of different devices that you could actually see and play with. I don't know about you, for me, being able to actually touch this stuff in person makes all the difference in the world. Again, the phone lines are open, 1-855-450-NOAH, that's 855-450-6624, the email, live at asknoahshow.com. That's how you make your voice heard and become a part of the program. Tonight, we're talking about the community. I have told you for, well, since day one of this program, that the way to get a job in the Linux and open source world is to value and put forth in the community. Then you heard Jeremy Sands, the lead masochist for Southeast Linux Fest, and he came on this program and he told you the same thing. Hey, if you want to get involved in conference organizing, the very first thing you need to do is get involved with the community, get involved with your local lug. And time and time again, we get people that call this program and say, I, am, I feel like I'm stuck. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to move my career forward. What do I do? And there is a gentleman that has been in the community for a long time, uh, basically since the inception of the Ask Noah show, and he has been working silently in the background to make the show what it is and continue to help build a community around Linux. His name is Eric Hendricks. You know him better as Eric, the IT guy. He's going to be joining us in just a couple of minutes, and he's going to tell us a story of how he made the transition from regular IT guy to an open source advocate and got a healthy paycheck to go with it. So make sure to stay tuned to catch that. Before I get to that, I want to take a moment and thank each and every one of you that are in our Telegram group. We are about to top 1,000 members in the Geek in the Geek Lab, which is a our Telegram group. You can join it at ask telegram.asknoahshow.com. Now, Telegram, if you're not familiar with it, it's a free application. You can download it for iOS, Android, Windows, Mac, Linux, Put that application on your favorite chosen device and join the Geek Lab. We have a conversation in there all week long. People are answering questions. It's an absolutely fantastic community, something I'm very proud of. And quite frankly, is something that exists because I needed to fill... Uh, I needed to fill a niche. What I needed was a group of people to chat about. And we started by calling it the Ask Noah Show uh, 
Telegram group, but the truth is it has evolved well beyond the show and it has become its own entity. And I feel very fortunate to be a part of that community. Eric is a member of that community and that networking opportunity led to some very cool things. Well, guess what? Uh, guess what happens when cool things happen in a place It attracts a lot of attention. So system 76 and Emma Marshall has come along and said, Hey, you know what? We think it's really cool what you're building. We think it's really neat that that community has formed up. And you know what those people need? They need a little bit of love from System76. If you're not familiar with System76, they make the world's best laptop specifically born to run Linux. So if, you, if you've ever fought with a computer and we get questions here, all the time on the program. Hey, how do I get Linux? How do I get this thing to work? This graphics card doesn't work. This piece of hardware doesn't work. That Wi-Fi card doesn't work. System 76 solves all of that. And so they are going to give you a $250 uh, credit towards anything you want over at System 76. You, If you're in the Geek, Geek Club, then you're already entered to win. If you're not in the Geek Club, then we invite you to join at telegram.asknoahshow.com. Make sure that you're in there. We'll also have a, uh, uh, I don't want to call it a consolation prize, but a smaller prize that we're going to give away to our 1,000th member that joins. So if you are if you happen to be 1,000, you're going to get not one, but uh, you, well, you'll be entered to win the $250 gift card, but you'll also get for sure something else. So make sure to join. We're very, very close. And a huge, huge, huge thank you to the community that is in th that is there because you guys are you guys are the life and blood of this program. You really are. And you inspire me to continue to do what I do. And so from the bottom of my heart, thank you for being a part of that community. As I said, Eric Hendricks, he is the solutions architect at GitLab. You know him better as Eric, the IT guy, the guy that brings you the news once a week at the bottom of the hour. He joins us on the Ask Noah show. Hey, Eric, welcome to the Ask Noah show. Hey, Noah, great to be connected with you again. We have people all the time and they write into the program and they say, how do I launch my Linux career? How do I get started? What can I do? How can I start making more money using the skills and passion that I've acquired with Linux? And I always tell them, I say, you've got to look into the community. You've got to become a part of the community. And when you've proven yourself in the community, when you've demonstrated that you are a valuable community member, a company will look over, tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, come work for us. We'll give you a paycheck to do what you're already doing. And so, Eric, you are a guy that you have a lot of skills. You, uh, you you've designed professional lighting systems for um, concerts and stuff like that and you have become a guy that has uh, done a lot of great things inside of the community and you decided hey I want to take the passion I want to take my skills that I have in Linux and I want to turn that into a career and GitLab tapped you on the shoulder and they said hey we're going to go ahead and write you a paycheck to come do that for us. And I just wanted to bring you on the program because you are kind of the first Ask Noah success story. And I kind of wanted to bring you on the program and say, tell me that story. How'd that happen for you? Well, yeah, and and I've I've been uh, I've been approached a few times with with that very question. And the the first the the first thought I always I always pause and tell people is that if you're getting into IT, if you're getting into technology for the money, uh, I would look elsewhere because um, if if you're just doing it for money, you're you're going to get burned out and and it's it's really those those people that have a love of technology, a love of tinkering that uh, that can really uh, really succeed in in IT. And so for for those of for people that don't know um, a lot of my story, I started out in, in IT right out of college. Uh, I was I worked help desk and, and eventually made my way into being a systems administrator. And from there, I was able to uh, about three years in, I was able to uh, sort of uh, focus my, my career on being a, a Linux systems engineer. 
Um, at the time, I was a diehard Mac enthusiast. I had just about every iDevice that they sold, and uh, you know, I had I had the watch, I had the phone, I had the iPad, I had the Apple TV. I've got I've I've had three different MacBooks, and uh, I was very much entrenched in their uh, in their in their walled garden, and was was pretty content. Um, so fast forward a few more years. Um, so I'd probably been in IT about seven years professionally out of college at that point, and something was missing. I'd, I'd bounce from job to job. I, I, I liked what I did as a, as a systems administrator. Um, I loved working on Linux. I, I just stopped supporting Windows altogether. I think 2008 was the last time I really did any serious work. Uh, but uh, there, there was something missing from my career. And so I, I can distinctly remember a few years ago just being out online and searching, searching Google for you know, how to become a better systems engineer, how, how to do Linux more. And uh, that, that led me to reading some blogs about being a part of a community. Um, and that's, that's where my career really started to shift, uh, learning about... Uh, learning about Linux on the desktop, learning about open source as, as not just a license, but learning about open source from, from the perspective of it being a community, being, in, being a social experiment, if you will, uh, being able to contribute, uh, whether it be code or volunteering your time uh, as, as a systems administrator, which was, which was my, my background. And the, the, the really the problem with it was... Uh, open source, you think developer. And if you're not a developer, then how can you contribute to open source? Well, that's, that's such a misnomer. And I, I was really able to start broadening my, my, my own skill set, both technical and personal, uh, by being a part of a community uh, that, that, was, that was formed around just a few podcasts. And from there, it, it grew into, well, I don't want to just sit here and comment in Telegram or uh, be, in, be in a mumble room. Uh, so I started to attend local lugs in the area, that's uh, Linux user groups. Um, Kansas City's got a couple, one in Lawrence, one in, one in Kansas City proper. Um, and uh, so it, it, it just became really an obsession. Uh, so from, from starting with, with just listening to four or five Linux and open source podcasts a week to joining, joining the online discussion, to joining the in-person discussion, to, um, okay, well, that, that's great. I'm learning about all this stuff. I'm learning about KDE, and I'm learning about GNOME, and, and I'm learning about all these developers and desktops and distros. But uh, it still wasn't enough. It took, so the next thing I did was I dual booted Arch Linux on a MacBook Pro. Uh, and, and the experience was, was good enough, but it's like I, had, I can do better. So I, I went out and I rebuilt my gaming PC and uh, dual booted Windows with, uh, with Arch Linux for almost a full year. And, and, and from there started to incorporate the open source side of my brain with uh, with with the Linux systems engineer, and I started working with digital, working uh, with droplets on DigitalOcean, and I set up NextCloud, and I've got got a Quasel client, uh, so I can be a part of different IRC rooms from wherever I'm connected, and it's it's now become a mission of mine to move all of my all of my personal needs off of the cloud, off of companies that could just disappear overnight, and I wouldn't have any uh, I wouldn't have any uh, uh, I, you know, I, 
if, if Spotify went away, uh, I wouldn't have any music right now. Uh, so trying to protect myself, not only from just the perspective of I can, I can do this. So maybe, maybe I should do it to more of a, uh, uh, to more of I, I can do this and it makes sense to do this and I and, and like my next cloud instance I rely on so much more heavily and more reliably than I could iCloud and and tying into to iOS uh, so it's it's become a mission of mine to to remove companies like Apple and Google and uh, and paid services out of my life just because philosophically it matches better with what I'm doing so then, uh, then the Ask Noah show got started, and um, and Noah and I, you and I, built a, a friendship, and uh, along with a whole bunch of other folks in the community, about you know I'm doing all these things, I'm learning all this stuff, and I'm really enjoying it. But it's it's still not I'm still not there. I'm still not enough. So I started launching the the this IT guys initiative, and it's it's going to be a community it's going to be a look at the community the people involved not so much the tech or the news but uh, it's just a look at um at who who these movers and shakers are in the community um and then that's not been enough <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I still just looked at my career and was it was just empty. There was there's only so much I could do at the company I was at. Um, they were they were pretty pretty buried in, in technical debt, and there's just not much I could do to make a difference there. Um, so I I spent the last year um, working uh, working the job market, not finding really anything in, in Kansas City in, in my hometown, um, and so being a part of the community and asking asking that very same question you know how do i how do i move my career to something that i'll i'll get uh, uh, that i can love and and give back and and how can i get to a place where my employer understands my passion as much if not more than i do um, and and so with with being a part of this community i i started finding uh people that worked for Red Hat and people work, that worked for the Gnome Foundation um, that, that saw that and were like, um, yeah, we, we need help. We need a systems administrator, but, uh, you know, we know we need more than that. Uh, and so I, I interviewed at a few different places and, and you know, it's, 2018 was a, was a long, hard year. Um, it, was, it was a lot of disappointments, a lot of hard work. Uh, but, you know, standing on, on the other side of, of the new year, I've actually started working for GitLab. And, and for folks that don't know, GitLab is an open core application um, that is kind of the competitor to GitHub. Um, in fact, if, if, if you remember about, uh, about nine months or so ago when Microsoft bought GitHub, there was just this huge social media push to uh, move to GitLab, to abandon GitHub. You know, Microsoft is evil and, and you know, everyone grabbed their, their torches and pitchforks. And uh, so Git, GitLab is a lot more than just a repository uh, provider, though. GitLab has moved into the DevOps space, has moved into the containerization uh, Kubernetes space, and is trying to provide kind of an all-in-one solution to development, tie it in using tools like Ansible or Kubernetes or a lot of these tools you hear about and help to bring developers and system administrators together to provide 
provide a single pane to be able to monitor, secure, deploy, write code, and do it all from a browser. So you can go out to gitlab.com and you can create an account and get a lot of these services for free, managed on their own uh, infrastructure, and uh, and you can play with it and you can use it. In fact, all of my code is, is out there right now um, that I use for building up my own servers or projects that I'm playing with. Uh, but then you can also host your own. Um, you, can, you can install GitLab on a server. You can install GitLab on a Kubernetes cluster and have even more control. And you can, you can buy subscriptions with GitLab and, uh, and they'll help you move from, from the sort of waterfall development that cycle that we've been in for all these years into something faster, leaner, something that makes more sense, something that's self-documenting. And GitLab will help you make that transition. And uh, I was actually at a conference, uh, DevOps Days Kansas City in October, and I met one of their salespeople and we talked for literally less than, than 15 minutes. It was, it was a really short conversation, but when I, I went to this conference and listened to all these speakers talk about DevOps and, and how, how changing your mindset. You know, DevOps gets this bad rap as a silver bullet. Well, it's really not. It's a mindset. It's a philosophy. It's a community, um, much like the open source community. And uh, we talked about we talked for less than 15 minutes about just how frustrated I was listening to these talks about all these people who can do, who can release bug fixes within minutes and have it running in production in less than an hour, something that at a traditional, in a traditional waterfall method could take weeks, if not months. Um, and how, how companies like Netflix or companies like, uh, uh, Pinterest can can do a thousand releases a day with with all their developers, and the the end user never even notices. And I was fr I was honestly frustrated. It was a matter of um, you know it takes weeks for me to get a project done at, in my current position. It takes it takes two or three days just to build a server. When we build the same exact server servers the same exact way with the same exact people over and over and over and over again, and 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 the sales guy could see the frustration and could see just could see the wheels turning as to how much um, to how much more I had to offer, and uh, he in just a short conversation he was like, "You need to come work for GitLab. You get it. You get our mission. You get what we're trying to do." And uh, he was like, "You've got to come work for GitLab. You will love your job. You will love your career, and you will be able to make a huge difference." And he's like, we need more people like you. We're, we're growing like crazy. We've got all these customers that are asking us questions, and, and we need more people who can, who can answer those questions and who can help move our customers to a path where, you know, I, and I, I took it kind of uh, from a personal perspective of I've been a systems engineer, and the on-call rotations, the midnight patching, the, the heroics you have to perform at 2 a.m. when some obscure database crashes and no one knows what it is, and you have to, you have to keep this, this five- or six-year-old server running because otherwise the company is just going to go belly up because you need this data. You know, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a, a quality of life uh, situation in, in my mind that I'm, I'm trying to fix. There, I'm going to do it with a, t with a piece of technology and I'm going to do it with a tool, but 
for me, it's it's a mission to help other systems and systems engineers kind of fix that that work life balance and to be able to grow and learn new things and to be able to get to a point where I have over the past couple of years of I can give back. I can try out new technologies. I can find better things uh, for my company to spend their time and money on. Um, and I can do so in a, in a manner that I can then sign out, not worry about these, these 2 a.m. phone calls and spend time with my, with my kids and, and spend time working on me and relaxing and recharging so that I can go back out the next day and do this all over again. So, I mean, just over the past... This is this has been about a three year journey for me, and it's it's been it's been tough, but it has been so worth it. And I I owe so much to the people in our Telegram group, and so much to the people that I've met through conferences and through um, um, and, th- and through just networking, just talking to people, and just putting myself out there. I I owe so much of where I'm at now to those people and to this community. And, you know, I, I'm here now to, I, I'm in a position where I feel like I can finally give back. And you are giving back. I mean, you're contributing with the the Newswire Weekly and you're helping people inside of the Telegram group. And what I always tell people, and you kind of touched on this, and I think it's a, I don't want to drive past it because I think it's an important point. When you go to look for a job, people do not get a job by sitting at monster.com all day. People don't get a job because they have the most elaborate LinkedIn profile. People get a job because of who they know. That's what lands you a job. And so your connections and your networking ability inside of the Telegram group and, and elsewhere is, you know, essentially is what led you to to landing this job. And those kind of connections are super, super valuable. And so if there's anybody that's not taking advantage of that right now, if anybody is not in the Geek Lab, as we call it, you need to join. You need to go to, to telegram.asknoahshow.com. you got to join that today. It doesn't cost anything. It's a free app you can put on your, on, your, on your cell phone or you can install on your computer. It supports Mac, Windows, Linux, iOS, Android, the whole kit and caboodle. And you can become a part of that pro, uh, a part of that community and start making connections today. And I think that's an important part of, 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 of how this journey, you know, came to be. Eric, I want to ask you, what was it originally that brought you over to Linux off of the walled garden? Because you said you were content, you were happy, things were good. There was no real reason to change. What was it that finally spoke to your heart and said, hey, you know what, come over here to the sweet, sweet land of Linux because Apple just isn't cutting it. <laughs> yeah, um, there's there's a there's a number of things. Um, I mean, it, when you're when you're in systems engineering um, or or any part of IT or or just watch the news for that matter, day in and day out, there's another breach every single day, and it's usually because of something obvious, something that could be fixed, and it's something that I know I've got the technical skill set that if that were my if that were my data, which it it is, and and I've been a part of uh, I've been a part of company breaches before and I've had to go and and clean up uh, clean up my credit or clean up uh, an account or something it's it's like you know if the you you cannot pay a person or a company to care about your data as much as you do yourself um, so I mean first of all it was a security thing it was a I want to own my data um, there there was definitely a piece of it um, that, that kind of ties into the kid in, in me that you know I wanted to do it because I can um, but then 
but one of one of Apple's greatest strengths is also one of its greatest weaknesses. And I've I've never really tied into the whole Apple sucks mentality because I really don't think they do. They've got a good market. They've got I feel like the the quality's kind of drifted off um, over the past few years. But when I was when I was fully embedded, it was great because everything worked all together. There were never any problems because Apple controlled the experience from the bottom to the top. They controlled the hardware, the firmware, the applications, the operating system the updates, how the updates were released. They had one set of one, one suite of hardware tools that they were deploying to. Um, so it, it really worked. iOS is solid. I, I've never had a problem with iOS. Um, but then again, the, where that becomes their greatest weakness is the fact that you're stuck there. You you can't customize very much if if there's a if there's a feature that's missing, you're you're just stuck because you know Apple's Apple's a closed system. You can't you can't go out and put in a feature request, or you can't go and look at the code yourself to uh, to see if you can uh, create a pull request and make that feature yourself and provide it back to the developer. It was it was it it was stable, but it was limiting and. And honestly, it, it kind of became boring. And I I had an iPhone for eight years, and just just a couple of weeks ago was you know I'm, I'm bored. I'm tired of this. I, it's it's not powerful enough. It's not innovative uh, innovative enough anymore. So I actually went and got a Google Pixel, just because while Android is still is still that um, while while the Pixel is still kind of that. Uh, that pre-built experience. At least I can customize it more, and at least Android plays better with open source tools like Nextcloud. What do you think the biggest uh, advantage or the big, the the most helpful thing that you got from the Ask Noah show was? Was it the community, or was it the advice, or was it the exposure? What was it that you think was most beneficial? Um, I'd I'd love to take the easy way out and say all of the above. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I would have to just say that the community itself has been the the greatest asset. Being able to talk to different people um, who have similar experiences that are at different points in their careers from where I am. I've I've talked to people that are ahead of me. I've talked to people that are younger than me, um, and different people have different needs and have different uh, life experiences. And just that, just that. Just that community, that ability to network, that ability to talk to people and go, oh, I am not the only nerd out there that has this problem, or I'm not the only person out there who is struggling with this particular part of my life and has a technology solution to fix that. So I, I would definitely have to say that the community has been the biggest contribution to my career advancements, to my personal advancements, to... Um, to the technology that's sitting on the table in front of me, the community has has really been the catalyst for all of that. Let's talk for a moment about GitLab itself. So you're an employee there now. You're essentially doing uh, for them what you have done in the open source community for you know a couple of years now. Tell me a little bit about that hiring practice, that hiring model, because the entire company from top to bottom is open. And I know that as an outsider, I've been kind of privy to every time I ask a question about what it's like to work at GitLab or how this particular process works, you or somebody else refers me to their, uh, essentially their repo and says, well, here's the file that explains how we do that thing. 
Well, GitLab is definitely a company that, that eats its own dog food. And, and that's one of the things I fell in love with them was because from the day I put in my application, I knew exactly what the interview process was going to be like step by step. Uh, there, I, I had, I had, Granted, I did have a, a couple of people that I knew in the community that uh, that uh, worked for GitLab, so I, I kind of had a leg up. But usually, their response was, "Well, go go look at this link." And uh, GitLab.com is actually, or about.gitlab.com is actually um, hosted on an instance on, on the company instance of GitLab. Um, so they they eat their own dog food from that perspective, uh, in that I can I can go and read about their culture. I can go. I can go listen to some recorded uh, 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 team conferences, uh, phone calls they've had with customers that they published on YouTube. Um, I, I can go and I can see the company because they lay it all out there. They put it all out there for for anyone to go and find. Um, and they don't they don't put it on some obscure link. It's it's on their it's on their website. It's it's kind of in a wiki format, so you can just follow links and dive as deep as you want into the company, all the way down through the interview process to the hiring process to uh, what exactly the interviews are going to be about. To the point where you can even look at their policy on office supply reimbursement from from a public URL. You don't need a you don't need an account. You can go and see that. Uh, but then the other piece of that is you can also see uh, they they're also I, I alluded to them being open. They they their their core application is is an open core, uh, so you can go and see the code. All of their uh, issues, with the exception of people ops, which is which is kind of the HR team. Any ticket or issue is open. So if a customer has opened it, has opened an issue on the website uh, on with, with GitLab support, you can go out there and you can see the conversation. Um, like I said, the only the only exception to that is is the HR piece of it. So you can't go and see what my benefits are or what I make. But uh, but other than that, the company is completely open from top to bottom, and and that is that is the cornerstone of their culture. I absolutely love that, and I love the fact that I feel like as a client of GitLab that, you know, when we contribute money to GitLab now, I know where that money is being spent and how they're treating their employees and how they're supporting the community and all of those kinds of things. So that I'm really happy to hear that. Eric, where do you go from here? So you have, you've started the Linux Newswire, you're doing those reads every single week and we're happy to have you and join us on the show. Where do you go from here? Because I know you want to take it further. I know that you want to become more a part of the community, and I know that you want to become a part of what we're building with MindDrip Media and Ask Noah. Talk about that for a moment. Yeah, so for me, the next few months are going to be crazy busy. I, I cannot tell you just how excited I am. Um, and, and I'm <laughs> for those of you that have met me know that I, I get really animated, and I've almost hit my mic just, just now. So, <laughs> uh, But uh, just this whole, uh, the, the next quarter is going to be amazing because I'm, I'm going to be settling into GitLab as a solutions architect. Uh, so I'm going to be working with the sales team, and I'm going to be talking, I'm, I'm in the, uh, the mid-market, market um, for GitLab. So I'm going to be talking to small to, small to medium-sized businesses about GitLab, about what it can do for them, and how to start the design process for what that solution looks like. So I'm going to be taking 
new customer problems and and matching them up with with tech, technology and procedure solutions. Uh, so I, I'm I'm going to be uh, I'm going to be nose deep in, in GitLab and, and videos and stuff for the next few weeks. Uh, and Linux Newswire is is kind of a is uh, one of the next steps uh, for me as well. We're doing weekly reads right now. Um, what we're looking at doing uh, with with Mindrip Media is taking Linux Newswire to a daily show, something you can you can put into uh, one of your personal assistants. Um, so when you go through your morning routine and get your headlines, the Linux Newswire can be there to give you just two or three minutes of uh, open source news to, to go along with with uh, with your headlines and your weather, you can you can get just just two or three minutes uh, of an overview of what's going on with uh, with with the open source community. So you're always on top of everything that's going on. So by by the time you get to the office, you'll know about that that zero day, or you'll know about a new release of some software application that you're using. Um, so we've we're we're talking about going from a weekly to a daily, and and see how see how that's uh, see how that's uh, uh, adopted by the community and and if there's plugins or skills or something that we need to write um, to to be able to find those people in the community that can help us uh, get that established um, and then kind of the 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 last thing on on my roadmap that uh, that uh, um, that I've I've really been excited about and I've been driving towards for over a year now is that uh, the IT guy is going to be re releasing a probably a bi-weekly podcast um, where I'm going to be interviewing different people in the DevOps and open source communities talk about what it is that uh, what it is that they bring to the community and what it is that uh, their project is doing and how they got into open source and put put people back in the community. You know, we talk about technology and we talk about projects um, in, in open source media, but we, we forget that there's a lot of times one or two people, maybe five if you're, if you're a really lucky project, that are behind these code releases, that are behind these products that we rely so heavily on. So putting a people face back into the community and, uh, and taking, taking that story and going to conferences and... Um, be it Linux Fest Northwest and and Self and 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 DevOps Days and and hopefully partnering with GitLab both as as a as an employee but also as a contributor to really go out there and um, and 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 kind of spread this news, spread the story of of open source and and let let my passion really really soak through and and uh, and you know just inspire others to kind of follow the same path to, to pursue their dreams to dive deeper into into technology and really just get involved with the community itself i think having you out in the field i think having you go to all of these conferences and collecting some of this content and then bringing it back under our umbrella and, and allowing us to kind of release that and 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 letting us partner with you to kind of be that platform to push some of that out, I think is going to be really fantastic. It's going to be hugely beneficial to those that are in the community and and people that want to advance their career. Um, so I'm, I'm happy to see that happen. And I think with uh, Linux Newswire, I would be excited to see if that became, like you said, maybe an Alexa skill. So when people get up in the morning, they talk to their their lady in a box and the lady in the box says here's what's happening in Linux today and that becomes part of people's daily routine that's brought to you by Eric the IT guy I think that's an absolutely fantastic goal a fantastic service and I'm happy to see that
Sorry about that. Our uh, our audio cut out there for a little bit. But Eric Hendricks is his name. He is now the solutions architect over at GitLab. You know him better as Eric, the IT guy, and a guest this hour on the Ask Noah Show. And a huge thanks, Eric, for joining us on the Ask Noah Show. We'll get you back on the program real soon. Get open phones this hour, one 450 noah That's 855-450-6624. Email live at asknoahshow.com. Make your voice heard. Become a part of the program. There is a new piece of software that is, I don't know how new it is, but it just came across my radar, and it's called Nuclear. And uh, Nuclear is a desktop music player that is focused on streaming sources. So this, it's kind of, you know, we have, we talk a lot about local hosting and self-hosting and those kinds of things. And obviously Eric just got done sharing with us his, um, I guess, road to coming from hosted services and and doing everything himself but at the same time there are times where you're just sitting at work or while I'm sitting up for the show and I I just want some music on the background I don't really care what it is it doesn't mean I value it I'm not going to you know not be able to live without it anything like that I just want something kind of in the background to listen to and uh up until now, my choices really have been essentially Pandora, Spotify, or go find an internet radio station. And uh, um, what I guess where we're at with this is the, we want an ability to do those things, but we don't want to have to pay a ransom to these other people. And and uh, it is nuclear is allowing people to do that. So essentially what Nuclear does is it pulls from streaming sources all over the internet. So if you've ever used MPS YouTube, this is a similar music player, but this has a GUI. It's focusing more on audio. So imagine Spotify that you don't have to pay for with a much bigger library. Now, searching and playing music from YouTube, including integration with playlists, it also includes Bandcamp if that's something you're interested in. It allows you to search for related songs in YouTube, downloading from YouTube, it has a song queue and a playlist functionality. Very, very cool stuff. We'll have a link for you in the show notes if you're listening to it on the uh, on the audio audios. It's GitHub.com/nukeop/nuclear. We invite you to check that out. It's a pretty cool program. So I want to go back to Eric and uh, see if we've got audio back from him because Eric does still owe me a news you read. So Eric, the IT guy in the Linux Newswire newsroom, here he is. From the Linux Newswire studio, this is the Weekly Roundup with Eric, the IT guy. Hey Noah, happy to be with you again. And here are your Linux and open source headlines. First off this week, Valve is stepping up their game for 2019. The first release of the year was an overhaul of the DLC pages and is generally available already. Yet to come this year, Valve will be expanding Steam Chat to their mobile application, increasing Steam TV's reach to include all of their games, and refreshing the library interface. Also to come are new machine learning based algorithms for improved discovery. Finally, Valve has partnered with Perfect World to bring Steam and its games into the mainland China. Purism, most recently in the news for the upcoming Librem 5 phone, has just unveiled the fourth generation of their laptops, specifically the, the Librem 13 and Librem 15 lines. They will continue to support Core Boot, but will now be available with 7th Gen Intel i7 processors with integrated graphics. 
The Librem 15 will now come with a 4K display. This hardware refresh does not include a price increase, and the refresh models are available now at $1,399 for the 13-inch and $1,599 for the 15-inch. Mozilla continues to make strong moves already in 2019. This week, they announced that starting in Firefox 69, Adobe Flash Player will be shipped disabled. This release is scheduled for September 3rd later this year. This is in preparation for spring of 2020 when Adobe announced discontinuation of the platform. Mozilla, Google, and Microsoft have all announced removal of the plugin around spring of 2020 as well. New security vulnerabilities have been announced in the System and Service Manager, SystemD. These exploits involve either corrupting memory or forcing out-of-bounds memory reads, allowing command line arguments to be passed to Journal D. This causes the service to crash and grants a hostile local user administrative rights to the system. While these exploits are not remotely executable, it does allow for a complete compromise of the target system. Distributions such as SUSE Linux Fit Enterprise 15, OpenSUSE Leap 15, and Fedora 28 and 29 are immune to this exploit due to their use of GCC's FStack Clash protection. Red Hat has already released patches for these vulnerabilities, and other distributions are expected to have patches in the near future. For LinuxNewsWire.com, I am Eric the IT Guy. Now, Noah, back to you. Thanks, Eric. Eric joins us usually at the bottom of every hour, but uh, because we were in the middle of interviewing, Eric, turns out he didn't have time to read the news right in the middle of the show. Again, phone lines are open, 1-855-450-NOAH. That's 855-450-6624. The email, live at asknoahshow.com. Make your voice heard, become a part of the program. After all, it is a program where we still answer your tech questions when you call in. Your calls go to the front of the line. A piece of news came to us about Chrome OS. Now, again, in the past couple of weeks, we've been following what Google has been doing and sometimes they give some indication to what they, the direction that they may be going in the future. And so the information that we had suggested that perhaps Google might be wanting to move away from a Linux kernel. They might want to have their own kernel for Chrome OS based devices and Android devices. Now I said to you in that episode, you can go check it out at podcast.asknoahshow.com that I believe that hurts Android and likely in, in all seriousness hurt Google more than it's going to hurt uh, Linux. That said, uh, we need to be vigilant and paying attention to these kinds of things because they do have massive uh, effects. The reality is that Linux, or that Google has done more for desktop Linux in the way of Chrome OS and getting things like Ubuntu or uh, Google's version of uh, Ubuntu that they're using in their workspace than almost any other company. And that seems like a broad stroke of of a of a brush, but when you actually dig in and, and chat with some of the people at Google, like I have, what you find is that th it's absolutely true that there are tons of industry that is focusing around making things run inside of Chrome. Well, a bug tracker uh, that is describing add APT search into Chrome OS app launcher uh, would seem to be that you would be able to run app commands to get software into the Chrome OS app launcher. The idea being that you can search for a program rather than drop down to the terminal because at the end of the day, normal users, despite what we, th despite what we know about the command line being a more efficient way to accomplish a given task, it's much faster to type something on a keyboard than it is to navigate around with your mouse, clicking on various, uh, you know, uh, pictures until you get to the place you want to 
you want to get to. And that's why most of us that have spent our, our life doing server administration constantly go back to the command line to get these things done. The reality is that is not welcoming to new users. And if we want to succeed on the desktop, then we have to acknowledge the reality that we have to be welcoming to new users. When people sit down at a computer for the first time and it's running Linux, they need to know that they can get Firefox by simply typing into a given place, Firefox, and that application appears. You cannot have an operating system that requires people to open up a terminal and type magical incantations. And we have seen that over and over again. And when you interview people that are not familiar with the Linux ecosystem, they find it very frustrating that the discoverability in Linux for applications and the software process for getting applications onto the computer has not been streamlined. Now, Canonical has probably made the most distance that we have seen in in recent years with snap packages. And I personally believe the snap packages are going to someday become the default de facto standard for Linux application packaging. Um, so as I read this story, and uh, we'll have it linked for you in the show notes, andreaspolice.com, show that Chrome OS may soon allow Linux software to be installed from the launcher. We are watching Google take essentially two different steps. And so where I come to, where I come to with that is that Google isn't exactly sure where the future is going to be. They don't know if it's going to be Linux. They don't know if it's going to be the ball is going to be in their court. Ball certainly wound up in their court with Chrome. In the browser world, that ball certainly wound up in their court. Could that happen with the desktop operating system? We will see. Maybe the desktop operating system is just an extension of the web browser. Google would sure like that because they already have the infrastructure in place to do that. And so as I, as I kind of look at this, it tells me that Google is trying to put their eggs in multiple baskets to make sure wherever the industry goes, they come out ahead. Now, what I take away from that is that we as Linux users need to be on our game. We need to be paying attention and making uh, our mark clear in the marketplace. Hey, we care about Linux. We care about Linux native applications. I want Inkscape. I want Lightworks. I want Firefox. I want Thunderbird. I want all of those applications to run on a Chromebook. And Google, if you give them to me, I am willing to use a Chromebook because I have access to the application infrastructure that I need. I trust the Linux kernel. I'm not a big fan of your privacy, you know, stuff. But as long as you'll sell me a subsidized piece of hardware that has the Linux kernel in it and, and it gives me the ability to get the applications I need on that on that device, I'm willing to do that. Developers have said that. People that work at Google have said that. Are you willing to say that? That's where, that's the decision that you have to make as a Linux user. Because fundamentally, if you have a company like Google come alongside you and say, hey, we're, we're willing to throw a couple million or billion dollars in your corner of the operating system, operating system ecosystem, that gets us a long way. Again, 1-855-450-NOAH. That's 855-450-6624. We wind down this hour of the Ask Noah Show. I want you guys to check out the Geek Lab. The Geek Lab is our Telegram group. We talked about it. This week is the week to join because when we get to 1,000 members, which probably isn't going to take very long, okay, we're approaching there. It would not surprise me if by the time the episode actually gets published in the RSS feed, we have already hit that 1,000th member. Now, you're going to have an opportunity. Well, you're going. if you're the 1,000th member, you're going to win something regardless. And we haven't exactly determined what that is, but we're going to figure it out. Now, System76 is going to give you a $250 credit towards a product uh, at their facility. You can pick yourself out a laptop born to run Linux. And uh, Queen Bedazzle herself, Emma Marshall, is going to, going to join us 
next uh, episode of the Ask Noah show next week. And we're going to do the drawing together uh, for who is going to win. And all you have to do to be a part of that drawing is exist inside of the Geek Lab. So make sure to join at telegram.asknoahshow.com. If you get there, even if you're not member 1000, doesn't matter. You still have an opportunity to win the big granddaddy prize, which is the $250 credit towards System 76. All you have to do is be in that group. And the reason that we do that, the reason that we give the smaller gift away to the numbered person, we give the larger gift away to a random person in this group is, well, we don't want to penalize you if you've been supporting us since day one. There's a lot of people, Michael, Greg, Eric, the IT guy who you just heard, Chris DeLuca, all of these people have been supporting the show since day one. So it would not be right to exclude them in the drawing simply because they've been supporting us from day one. So that's why we do the drawing that way. We do the smaller drawing for the thousandth person, and then we're going to do the bigger drawing, and we're going to give that away. By the way, the code we use to do that, written by our own Simon Quigley in the Ask Noah Show group, and that code is publicly available. Of course, it's published on GitLab, so you can go check it out and audit and make sure that we're being fair about it. We publish that. The Ask Noah Show continues next Tuesday at 6 p.m. Central. Huge thanks to Sarah R. Callscreener, Ben, our producer. This hour of the show may be over, but there's plenty more content for you 24-7 at asknoahshow.com. See you next week.